the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Christmas week. Yes. And a short week it will be for the Bruce Hooley Show, as I'll be here until Wednesday and looking forward until then to going through the latest headlines with you on our network of answer stations, 94.5 in Dayton, 98.9 in Columbus. I'm sad that I have to start a week with um, such amazing news as the birth of Jesus with the confluence of two headlines that we've dealt with on this show before. And they reflect uh, the um, worst fears that we had coming to fruition. We talked about uh, a while ago the mistaken release from the Franklin County Jail of a double murder suspect. Clerical error was the reason given that his bond was revoked because it was supposed to be converted from one particular distinction to another. And in the converting of said bond from one designation to another, as this double murder suspect, 20-year-old David Johnson, was being passed from one entity's stewardship of his uh, incarceration to another, he just walked right out of the Franklin County Jail. And he was at large, and they could not find him. That was one story. A double murderer, in all likelihood, on the loose. And then we talked about last week the uh, second 21-year-old man shot to death, murdered, while at a gas station, either in the act of filling his car with gas or about to fill his car with gas. And it is those two headlines that uh, met in the worst fashion possible because we now know, according to the arrest warrant issued for David Johnson III, that police in Columbus strongly believe that he is one of three people involved in the murder of 21-year-old Andrew Combs, who was shot to death uh, at the Sunoco gas station last week in the wee hours of the morning. Uh, David, excuse me, Andrew Combs was there with his uh, pregnant girlfriend and uh, another friend when the friend went into the gas station shortly before midnight on Tuesday. Uh, Mr. Combs, presumably filling his car with gas, then either went inside to pay or his attention was called to the fact that his friend was engaged in an altercation inside, and Mr. Combs, being a good Samaritan, went to the aid of his friend. Um, He was assaulted, presumably by either David Johnson or one of Mr. Johnson's two associates, all three of which were armed. Uh, Mr. Combs was punched, He was thrown out, kicked out, or fell outside the convenience store onto the pavement where he was shot multiple times and died later at the hospital, but essentially in the arms of his fiancée. Her name is Victoria Perez. Here she is 
over the weekend, talking with Channel 10, and then you'll hear a bit of the rest of the 10 TV report on this completely preventable homicide. And the last thing I seen was him coming out with his vape, and they shot him at least four times. And I got, after I got out the car, and the suspect started running. Victoria Perez was with her boyfriend, 21-year-old Andrew Combs, early Wednesday morning. They stopped at the Sunoco on West Broad. She stayed in the car while Combs went inside. Columbus police say Combs tried to stop an armed robbery and was then shot. And I held his hand and he kept saying, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And I just and I just kept screaming, I needed help. Thursday night, Columbus police searched a home 500 feet away from the gas station, the home of David Johnson III. In April 2021, Columbus police say Johnson got into a fight inside this house, shot and killed a man and injured a woman. He was out on bond in November when police say Johnson admitted to having drugs with him. According to court records, Johnson's one-year-old son ingested some of those drugs and died. Now, you heard it right. Uh, This guy was wanted for the murder of someone at the home 500 feet from the Sunoco gas station where this latest murder took place. And Mr. Johnson was not in the Franklin County Jail still after being wanted for murder. So he re-engaged in his life of crime, which involved drugs, and he has sold fentanyl before. And his one-year-old son ingested the fentanyl or inhaled the fentanyl, and his one-year-old son died. So he's charged with both those murders when a clerical error led to him just walking out of the lockup. Now, I understand mistakes can happen, and I fully understand, and hopefully, and I believe, and I certainly hope is true, that the people involved in his mistaken release um, deeply regret their decision. I'm going to presume that it was not intentional, and that this was just the kind of error that all of us have made, some kind of error, rarely does it lead to uh, the murder of someone, but we've all made a mistake that we just talk chalk up to either oversight, stupidity, failure to observe detail, or whatever. It will not fix this going forward if whatever system that was in place that wasn't observed, if they sacrifice a court clerk, a deputy, or some employee who could have or should have known the difference. What is required in this situation is a complete overhaul and safeguards being built into a system that I'm going to presume has mostly done its job well over the last few years. But I guess I'm stuck with the vexing issue of how many super dangerous criminals can we have locked up in Franklin County at any one time? I mean, I know we have a lot of car thefts and a lot of murders and all that, but really at any one time, how many people can be behind bars awaiting some kind of a court appearance, how many of them can be incarcerated at once? Like, what do you think? Like like five, maybe? Tops? Maybe ten? 
Would it be so difficult to have a certain designation on however few number of people that is at any one time to just build in a second or third level of protection in that any level of paperwork being done with them that could lead to their inadvertent release would set off alarm bells throughout the justice system. Like that would seem to me to be a fairly prudent decision that could be made going forward to prevent these kinds of things from happening in the future. Uh, A friend of mine sent me a very thought-provoking book review to a book where systems such as the one I'm advocating for have been put in place in professions where mistakes lead to many, many deaths, for instance, with pilots on commercial airliners. They found back in the day that the authority of the pilot on an aircraft was so unimpeachable that very often when planes crashed, an analysis of the black box would prove that the co-pilot had realistic concerns about what was going on in the moment, but because eh, it's a little dicey challenging the authority of the more experienced pilot, the co-pilot didn't say anything. Or didn't voice the appropriate amount of concern. And so they have moved to fix that in that co-pilots now are empowered to say something if they think something is amiss. Likewise, in operating rooms, surgeons are the biggest dog on the porch, right? The surgeon is the most important person in the room. They are literally have the life of the patient in their hands. But in operating rooms around the country now, even The people who hand the surgeon instruments are empowered to, if they think, wait a second, doc, are you sure? They are empowered to ask those questions, and hopefully this has saved many lives. Now, the humility inherent in such kinds of allowances to people who do not have the ultimate authority in a particular situation, I think is a good thing. And I think we kind of need that humility in our justice system, because this is a mistake. I can only imagine how much money this is going to cost some entity, which is to say you as a taxpayer, because that's where, whether it's Franklin County, whether it's city of Columbus, whether it's state of Ohio, this young woman, Victoria Perez has a lot of money coming her way. Because her fiancé and the father of her child is needlessly dead because of a mistake made by the system. We ponied up like six million bucks, not a dollar of which should have been paid to protesters in the George Floyd riots. We paid in advance of a jury verdict the family of Andre Hill. And that may yet prove to be a good expenditure, a worthy expenditure. But this woman has definitely been disadvantaged and should be paid well. So, I would hope that everybody could agree. There are a few things we all agree on, but I think we could all agree, I hope. Well, maybe not. Maybe not the left. But I would hope we could all agree that a guy who's charged with two murders should not just walk out of jail. Uh, I would hope that even our uh, Democratic opponents... I don't say Democratic friends because... (laughs) They're not very friendly. But when David Johnson uh, walked 
out of jail on November the 29th. I said at the time, boy, I sure hope this guy doesn't end up involved in killing another person other than the two he's already charged with killing. He has been charged with a third murder. It is of the 21-year-old man who was filling his car up with gas at a Sunoco on West Broad last Tuesday uh, while his pregnant girlfriend sat in the car and um, she got out of the car, went to tend to her fiancé when he was murdered. And so we ask, well, how could this have happened? Okay, so here's what happened. He was, first mistake, put on house arrest after he was indicted for the murder of 26-year-old Derek Ponder and, and I might add, David Johnson's own mother during an altercation at his home in April of 2021. So this guy killed a guy and shot his own mother, and he was on house arrest. Okay? So then he resumes, while on house arrest, selling drugs, including fentanyl. His one-year-old son inhales or ingests the fentanyl and dies. At which time Mr. Johnson appears on the radar of authorities again. And Franklin County Common Pleas Court Judge Jiza Page, J-A-I-Z-A Page, um, who was handling his homicide case from 2021, filed paperwork to revoke his house arrest and have him held at the Franklin County Jail. I would be in agreement with that. The problem is, when the clerk of courts was tending to the paperwork, you have to revoke his bail for the initial murder under which he was on house arrest and impose a higher bail so that he can't get out of jail. And in the changing of the bail and the paperwork, the very important detail that he should not be able to get out of Jail was left out, and he walked out. He walked out. Uh, More than a week later, I might add, the paperwork was filed on November the 21st. He walked out of jail on November the 29th. In eight days? In eight days, we can't get it straight? At any rate, Judge Page is the judge who was in possession of the paperwork that led to uh, this person's release. Now, Judge Page is also in the news for another matter. I will excuse the first matter as a clerical error. I will not excuse this second matter, which is her continuation of the lawsuit filed by school districts in the state of Ohio, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Columbus, and others that are opposing the expansion of Ohio's school choice program. You've heard many times on this show, Aaron Baer of Center for Christian Virtue and others advocate for the backpack bill. The backpack bill would remove the income restrictions that now stand in the way of students across the state of Ohio getting, if they want it, a voucher to enable them to decrease their private school tuition or to use that money to fund their own homeschool curriculum or the like. Right now, if you make more than $70,000 a year, and I'm working in generalized round numbers here, if you make more than $70,000 a year as a family, 
you cannot get any state aid to help with sending your kid to private school or to help you pay for homeschooling your kid. But if the backpack bill passes, everyone in the state of Ohio, no matter how much money your family makes, will be eligible to receive a voucher, approximately five grand per student. You could use that five grand to offset some of the cost of private school tuition. You could use that five grand to invest in uh, college credit plus classes for your high school student or junior high student. You could use that money to finance a homeschool education. Uh, but not if Judge Jiza Page and the teachers unions in Ohio have their way. Uh, Judge Page, in a 22-page ruling on Friday, rejected arguments by the state attorney general Dave Yost that says that the lawsuit challenging the backpack bill and the expansion of school vouchers in Ohio, she said that the case can go forward. Now, Dave Yost was making the point that the students who filed the suit, and make no mistake, the students haven't filed the suit. It's the teachers' unions because the teachers don't want what? They don't want students leaving their public schools because here's what happens. If students leave public schools, pretty soon... The declining enrollment of a public school is going to result in the declining of something else, the funding for said public school, because the funding for said public school, uh, very shortly after the numbers start to go down precipitously, the state is going to look at it and go, well, why are we giving you the same amount of money based upon the number of students you could have in your school? Why don't we just give you the amount of money based on the actual number of students in your school? You know that's coming from the state. It would only be a prudent financial decision for the state to make that, and the teachers' unions are terrified of that. Why? Because if they start to give state aid to public schools based upon the actual enrollment as opposed to the potential enrollment, what will happen? Well, homeschooling is going up. Charter schooling, private schooling is going up. Pretty soon, the amount of money that a public school district has is going to go down. And what happens when the amount of money that a public school has goes down? One of two things. Number one, they come begging you for another levy. Or number two, they have to live within their budget, which means what? Fewer teachers union members getting paid. So now you know why the teachers unions are dead set against the expansion of school choice. And so the attorneys for the teachers unions are barking against this, and Judge Jiza Page fell for it. Doesn't mean that Judge Page intentionally let a double and now triple murder suspect out of jail. But it tells you a little bit, does it not, about where Judge Page stands politically. It tells me a little bit about where Judge Page stands politically. So we'll see where the uh, Ed Choice program goes. I don't think they can, in court, show that students have been damaged by the expansion of Ed Choice. After all, we're not closing the doors of our public schools. As much of a delicious possibility as that is to contemplate. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.